Ahoy and welcome in to another mind-expanding episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Magler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health and talk about the dilemmas that I'm seeing in my practice, both as a school social worker and therapist in private practice. Alongside me, as always, is Mariska, the three-toothed Patterdale Terrier, and she's currently resting on her dog bed. And notice you don't hear her licking her paws. And she's not licking her paws, as we know, because you are doing a great job of rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast with a friend. And understand, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we love those five-star reviews. They just, they make Mariska feel younger. They make her three little teeth tingle and feel better. So today, I wanted to just um, dive into a challenging topic, which is, what do you do if your therapist hurts your feelings? And I was in a session with a client, and... I typically do just individual therapy with people, but occasionally at their request, if they say, well, could you do a family session or could you do a couple session? I will do that. And in this session, it was a couple session and both my client and her partner, they were sharing their perspectives on an event and on a few events and the way things have been going. And my client was really feeling invalidated and upset by the way her partner had reacted to some things. And she asked me, what's your honest assessment of how things went? And when I gave my assessment, I probably err a little bit, and I often do this, on the side of um, balance toward the partner. And my son gets, I coach my son in lacrosse, and he gets frustrated because he's like, you never make it fair. You always make it so I'm more likely to lose the drill or I'm on the team that's worse. And I said, well, I don't go out of my way to make it unfair, but if I have to choose who I'm going to favor, my son or random other kids on the team, I'm going to choose the random other kids on the team because I never want to be accused of favoritism. Well, in a session where I'm the therapist and I have the relationship with the client, I'm not trying to ever be unfair, but I'm guessing subconsciously I probably do favor the person who's on non-neutral ground. The partner, the parent, whoever else is coming into this space where they might feel a little bit more insecure. I want to make sure I'm honoring their perspective to the greatest degree I can, but sometimes I probably overdo that, and I'm wondering if I did that in this case. All I know is that from the body language and tone, um, even some of the direct comments of my client, she felt like I had invalidated her, and in choose, I may have chosen the side of her partner. And now we're going to have to repair that. And hopefully we'll get that chance. I think we will. We have a schedule session, uh, session scheduled, and uh, we've communicated via text, so I know that that session is going to happen. But it's one of those things where I'm replaying it in my mind because I want to make sure, again, in my perfect world, every session would end with client feeling better, more relaxed, happier. And that happens the majority of the time. But if we're doing important work, you know, again, if it was, if I was a personal trainer or a physical therapist, there might be times when the person's really sore at the end of a workout, at the end of that uh, physical therapy session, because we're doing work that matters. We're taking some risks, we're pushing things. And so it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't mean that good work isn't happening. The greater fear that I have is that I can offend someone, hurt their feelings, and not notice that I did it. Because even though I'm a therapist and I'm trying to be empathetic, 
is it possible that sometimes a stray comment might get mentioned? Maybe I say something terrible about the Green Bay Packers, not realizing that a person's grandfather was a huge, played for the Packers or was a huge Packers fan. Can we say things that are invalidating? All the time we can do that. And the greater fear that I have is, as a therapist, that I might do that and not even notice that I've hurt someone's feelings. So when we know we've done it, okay, I can bring that up, the client can bring that up, and hopefully we're going to have a chance to work through that. If you have a therapist and your therapist has done something that offended you, I hope you will bring it up with them. Because therapy is supposed to be your place, your laboratory, where you can work through these issues. And your therapist will probably not feel great about the fact that they hurt your feelings, but hopefully what they're going to do is validate your perspective. Now, in looking back on this session, and I have, again, as I say, replayed it over and over in my mind, I'm not sure how I could have handled that better or differently. But there must be a way, or maybe there wasn't a way. Maybe, again, if I was being honest and authentic and giving the person feedback, sometimes the feedback can be painful. We don't want to hear all truth. I often say that the truth is a knife. A knife is not good or bad. It just depends on how it's used. I've talked before about how I was at a conference where the great Irving Yalom, or some people call him Yalom, whoever, who he wrote all the textbooks on how to be a therapist and how to run group therapy and whatnot. And he's also written a bunch of novels, like from when Nietzsche wept, or uh, his book Love's Executioner is one of the great books that every therapist should read about mistakes that he made as a therapist in his practice. So I was at this conference and he was uh, being beamed in from San Francisco and people got to ask these questions. And one therapist stood up and he said, what do you do? if you're bored in a session with your client. And Dalem said, well, you don't tell them that you're bored, but you do authentically say, I'm not feeling a connection here right now. And so as therapists, it may be our job to give authentic feedback, but we should hopefully be skilled enough to give that feedback in a way that um, isn't painful and damaging. So somehow I was clumsy in this last interaction, in this last session, and I hate that. So even though at this moment, I don't know what I could have done better, there was probably something I could have done better there. And so that's something that though this client and I will hopefully work through. If you don't tell your therapist when they've hurt your feelings, you're going to go into those sessions with either resentment or a lack of feeling of safety and trust. And you're going to hold back from bringing up things that you really need to talk about because you're not feeling safe enough. And if you, we know in general, that people get better in therapy. We're not 100% sure why. But one of, some of the research, and this is all the research says, is if you feel like you can go to a place where you cannot be judged, just once a week, you spend that hour a week there, and you feel like you can say anything and not be judged. The research says it doesn't matter the therapeutic approach that the therapist uses. If they're cognitive behavioral, dialect behavioral, if they use REBT, whatever they use, it doesn't matter what degree they have. People get better, particularly from anxiety and depression, if they feel like they can go to this space and share anything they need to share. Whether or not they actually share it is less important than they feel like they could share it. So if they can go to this place and share their feelings, they're likely to get, see improvement in feelings of anxiety and depression. So if your therapist is saying or doing something, my sister, and I mentioned this in the podcast, she went to a therapist when she was in college, who, when, to, when he went to go clean his glasses, he took his glasses off and he licked them to clean the glasses. And she was like, oh, well, I'm never going back there again. So whatever your therapist is doing, whether they're cleaning their glasses with their tongue, whether they uh, have a weird scent in their office, anything that's repelling you, 
we have to either bring that up and see if it can be changed, or we might need to work with somebody new. But most importantly, when you bring it up and the therapist can own it, they can model for you how taking feedback should look and that you can hopefully see that in your future relationships. Because most people that I work with have had relationships, most people I know have relationships with at least one person in their life who can never accept feedback, who can never apologize, never take ownership for the things that they do. And if that was a primary caregiver, especially when we're growing up, that can lead us to feel like, okay, I don't know how to give feedback. And so when I have conflict in my relationships, rather than staying and working through it, I just check out and I start to figure out my escape plan. And we want to not do that. As often as possible, we want to be assertive in all of our connections and relationships. If you are in a connection with someone, be it a parent, be it a boss, where you can't be assertive with them because it would lead to too many repercussions. They would fire you or they would ground you or whatnot. Well, then always go back and write down what would the assertive response have been? And then you might say, well, this would have been the assertive response to whatever this person did. And I didn't do it because they would have freaked out on me, but it's still good training. And if you realize that there's a person in your world who you can never give the assertive response to, especially if that's your job or whatnot, you probably need to move on to a new job. If it's your romantic partner, you need to move on to a new relationship. And if it's your therapist, you need to move on to a new therapist. If you can't feel safe enough to be assertive with that person, you're not going to be able to do the work that you need to do. If you can, and you can work through that, that can give so much ammunition. The partner of my client could sense that there was hmm, this feeling, hurt feelings and disconnect. And they asked, hey, is this a good idea? Are, is, is me coming into this space damaging your therapeutic connection with you know, my partner, your primary client? And I said, I don't know. I think there's good and bad in it. I think the good is that I'm getting to see dilemmas in real time. I'm getting to see the hurt and the pain. And as much as that's uncomfortable, and I think it's also uncomfortable for my client, I think my client would prefer to, and this happens frequently, people want to come into their therapist's space and present a certain version of themselves that they have control over. And that version of her when she was more raw, when she was upset, well, that's not a version that she has total control over. And that might be embarrassing and uncomfortable, but it, it makes the work more authentic. So I think there's good and bad in it. Ultimately, if it means that she's not going to be comfortable coming to sessions anymore, well, then that was a failure of an experiment. How do I decide? Well, again, we said, I'm, I'm never going to take on something that I feel like is out of my area of scope and expertise. So if I feel like I cannot do that without doing more harm than good, I'm, I'm not going to consent to doing it, even if the, the client is asking me for it. Hey, can you do this kind of therapy? Can you do it? I, I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to do it. But if the client is asking for something, can we try this? Can we try back when I, I, most of my sessions are online, but when I was doing sessions in person, can we try going for a walk while we do sessions? Sure. Try all kinds of things. Can we try watching media together and, you know, like having that going on in the background? It's, so doing whatever the client is asking for, they know themselves the best what might bring them more comfort. I think we should always try and creating that space together. And I think that's another so many people don't realize that they have agency in creating the therapeutic space. If you just turn the wheel over to the therapist and say, you drive, wherever you go, you're the expert. Okay, well, they're the expert in what's worked for other people, but you need to be the, become the expert in you, in what's going to work for you in therapy. So if anything's feeling uncomfortable, it's hurting. Just again, like if you're working with a physical therapist and 
it's hurting. Your knee is hurting. It's not, you know, and you, you find yourself dreading going. Well, you need to talk to the physical therapist about that because they're going to push you through those range of motion things and they're going to try to get the best out of you. And if you're not giving them that feedback, they may push you further and they could, you could end up actually doing more damage. And that's, to me, that would be the ultimate nightmare is if I damaged a client's ability to trust because of the way I reacted to things or because I hurt their feelings or whatnot, that would be a terrible feeling. So I hope for everyone who's hearing this, take risks in any relationship you have of letting people know, be assertive whenever we have that opportunity. And particularly in therapy, if it's not going, you're paying for it. <laughs> this is something that you're doing to benefit you. So if you're not enjoying it, talk to the therapist first to see if anything can be changed. And then if that's not working, find somebody different. Well, just a few thoughts about that and how, you know, again, interacting about feelings in therapy. If you have questions for Mariska and I, remember to email us at dmaiglrlcsw at gmail.com. Until we speak again, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. Remember, you are not allowed to die.